0: going to turn to isaiah chapter 53 again but i want to read the last few verses of chapter 52 and then just a few of the verses from chapter 53 (coughs) from verse 13 of isaiah 52 behold my servant shall act wisely he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told, them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed and he was despised and we esteemed him not. And then to verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. And the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one my servant make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. May God bless his word as we've read it together. You remember that a couple of weeks ago, uh, I I, uh, turned to uh, Isaiah 53 and shared some thoughts from it, but didn't actually get into too much detail of the chapter, but just sort of explained what the chapter was focused upon and uh, said that we would turn to it again. And you remember from the last time that I said that when it comes to chapter 52... And those last few verses that we discover that the servant that is being revealed in those verses one was none other than the Lord Jesus himself. And it tells us in those verses concerning the servant or concerning the Lord Jesus Christ that he will act wisely. Or if we want to put it in different words, he will act rightly. And as a result of Is action, being wise and being right, uh, Isaiah 52 tells us that the end result would be that Jesus the servant would be exalted. And so today, so many years later, we truly believe and declare that he is exalted. We declare that he is high and lifted up. We declare that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus has been given the name which is above every other name. And he is Lord. But for him to be found in that position of authority. To be given the name which is above every name. To be given the crown. We discover as we go into Isaiah 53. That it has cost him to be there. Before he could be the sovereign wearing the crown. He had to suffer by hanging on the cross. And so when we get into Isaiah 53, we discover that it is all about the suffering servant. It is all about the one who would act wisely. And three ways in which we see that he acted wisely or rightly, and this is just not in any order of importance or whatever, is first, he acted wisely by being obedient to the law. He acted wisely by remaining sinless and he acted wisely by being obedient to his Father. Thus, in being wise and acting rightly in these different ways, he was able to meet the requirements for the sacrifice that would be needed for the sins of the world. And although Isaiah 53 as you read through it and as you look through it and meditate upon it, you'll discover it paints or it portrays what looks at first to be a pathetic and painful picture. But thankfully, as you go through the psalm, you'll discover that it ends on a note of praise, a note of victory, for it prophesies that the suffering servant will be successful in his mission and as verse 10 says it it says he will see his offspring in other words the suffering servant will see the fruit or he will see the evidence of his suffering for he will see those that is you and me and many more who will put their faith and trust in him It speaks, of course, of his resurrection. He would not remain dead, but he would be alive again. And those who would be his offspring. And when we think of offspring, we think of our natural children. uh, Through natural birth. But when it comes to the offspring of this servant, it would not be offspring through natural birth, but supernatural, spiritual birth. Those who would be born again by the Spirit of God as you look through isaiah chapter 53 and as you know i use the english standard version and as you go through it in the english standard version it's placed into what we will discover is four sections or four long paragraphs but each one of them one two three and four each one of them is interconnected with each other it's almost as if you're going forward then going back you're going forward and then you're going back you're going forward and then you're going back as each is interrelated to each other explaining to us about the suffering servant and the breakup perhaps in isaiah 53 in the english standard version is verses one to three then verses four to six then verses seven to nine and then verses 10 to 12. but of course not forgetting verses 13 15 of chapter 52 which to me is the important introduction into chapter 53 but however or whichever way we see the chapter split or, or divided we have to come to this conclusion that the whole of the chapter and the verses from the one before they all read together and although not pleasant reading for the one who would be fulfilling it by going through the suffering that is mentioned in it, thank God it's good news for you and for me. Now, have you ever stopped as you read chapter 53? Because I've done it this last week. Have you ever stopped as you've gone through chapter 3 and wondered how Jesus must have felt whenever he turned to this chapter to read it? Because we know that he read from the book of Isaiah... Because Luke chapter 4 tells us that after he came out of the wilderness he stood up in the temple he asked for the scroll of the book of the prophet Isaiah and he began to read from it. And he read from Isaiah 61 where it says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. And he gave a list of what he'd been anointed to do. So if he knew that that was there, that tells us that he already knew as well what was in Isaiah chapter 53. But imagine... How, as he was reading chapter 53, he must have been feeling as he realised that what was contained in chapter 53, as he was reading it, was exactly what he was going to face himself. Reading that chapter and knowing, as you see those things that are found in there, that this is exactly what lies ahead for me. Imagine it. But he knew. And yet, he was willing. And why was he willing? Because he loved you. And because he loved me. And I thank God for the words of the song that says this. There was one who was willing to die in my stead. That a soul so unworthy might live. And the path to the cross. Even knowing what Isaiah 53 said and the path to the cross he was willing to tread all the sins of my life and your life and of the world to forgive (coughs) they were nailed to the cross they were nailed to the cross oh how much he was willing to bear with what anguish and loss Jesus went to the cross but he carried my sin with him there think of that for a moment everyone from the eldest down to the youngest and i know marco doesn't understand what i'm talking about but everybody above that age does stop at this moment and listen again to the words of that song there was one who was willing to die in your step my step that a soul so unworthy might live and the path to the cross He was willing to tread all the sin of your life and mine to forgive. They were nailed to the cross. Oh, how much he was willing to bear. With what anguish and loss, Jesus went to the cross, but he carried your sin with him there. You might remember that two weeks ago I mentioned that it was while listening to the hymn while reading the book of Isaiah, uh, that I was listening to some music and it was, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus and Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned, unclean, that caused me to stop and to reread this chapter. And I'm reading it. You remember I said, and I repeated again this morning, my only response could be, How marvellous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvellous, how wonderful. And we can think of a lot of marvellous things, a lot of wonderful things. But in the context of this hymn, how marvellous, how wonderful is my Saviour's love for me. It overwhelms me. And it should overwhelm every one of us this morning to think of the fact that Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to bear our sin and to go and to carry it on to that cross for each one of us. And so it must have been an amazing, incredible, wonderful, powerful, and we could think of so many other words we could add into that, uh, amazing, incredible, wonderful, powerful love Because he was willing to be the suffering servant. The one who would experience all the horror of that chapter. Every single jot and tittle. Nothing missed out. Willing to take it all. Because he loved you. And he loved me. Surely this morning. Every single one of us. No one excluded. How can we not be moved? How can we not be moved? in the depths of our being as we read this chapter and ponder upon it and know that everything that happened in that chapter had to happen because of our sin. It was our sin that took him there, yet he was willing to go in our place. It was Jesus himself who said to his disciples, Greater love is no one than this that someone lays down his life for a friend. Listen, we were not even his friends. We weren't on friendly terms with him. And, And yet, not being his friends and not being on friendly terms with him, alienated and far off from God because of our sin, he loved us and laid down his life for us. This is the best news the world needs to hear. And if you don't know Jesus as your savior in this place this morning, this is the news that you need to hear. The son of God loved you and gave his life for you. I wonder how willing we would be to lay down our lives for someone. It's a good question, how willing? We thank God for those that serve in the armed forces. Yesterday was armed forces days. And we thank God for those in the armed forces who were willing to go to defend us, to fight for us. And sadly, so many have laid down their lives. But how many of us would be willing to lay down our lives for someone? Maybe we would step in for someone who we love deeply. Maybe our partner or a child. But what about those who we have no relationship with? Yet Jesus was willing. There have been a couple of times when I put my life at risk for others. But if if I knew that perhaps the risk was greater of dying, I know that I would have fled. Many years ago in my 20s, when I was fitter than what I am now, I went to the defence of a police officer who was being attacked with a knife. Driving by, I saw what was going on. I screeched the car to a halt. I ran out of the car and I ran and I grabbed hold of the man from behind who was about to attack the police officer with a knife and then somebody else saw what was going on. They stopped and together they came to help me and we grappled the man down onto the floor and we held him there till more help came. Uh, The other officer called for help. But if I'd thought that that guy was going to get me with a knife, I would have let go and I would have been gone. I'd have gone. And in costs, on holiday, I saw a fight taking place. I saw some people beating up a Syrian refugee. And so I immediately went into the middle of them Because I wanted to help him. And I stopped the fight. But if I thought my life was at risk, other than a beating, I'd have taken that friend. But if it meant being stabbed or whatever, I would have fled. But Jesus loved every one of us so much, despite the horror and the ugliness of our sin, that he stepped in. And he didn't flee from the will of God. He laid down his love. What love. What love. So I cannot move on without bringing a challenge. And I'm going to keep doing it. Because I believe what God has just laid on my heart. Is to keep bringing the challenge to each and every one of us. That we need to make sure. That in response to what Christ has done for us. The only right thing we can do. Is to yield our hearts to him. To yield our lives to him. That's what he deserves. Because of all that he's given for us. And the wonderful thing is this. All we need to do and understand, it requires just childlike trust. Childlike trust. Jesus, yes, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I believe that you gave your life for me. I know that if I come to you, my sin will be forgiven and you'll be my Lord and my Saviour. Just childlike trust and responding and receiving Him as Saviour and Lord. <coughs> now, although I've mentioned the sections in this chapter, that's not why I'm going to deal with the chapter. and I'm going to be brief with what else I'm going to share this morning. But I'm going to go down my usual route. And uh, I'm going to sum it up first. And Ian knows what's coming. I can see the grin like a cheshire gun. <laughs> but I'm going to sum it up first of what this chapter is all about. It's all about the servant who suffers. Yet not for his own sin. Not for himself. But for others. Therefore, in his being willing to suffer, he became a substitution. And as the substitution, he was slaughtered. It's a strong word, but it's a powerful word. As a substitution, he was slaughtered. And as a result, his suffering brings success to his mission. And he rightly becomes the only saviour of the world. There was no plan b there is no plan b there is no alternative it's the way of isaiah 53 and thank god jesus went that way so we're going to break it down under these headings servant suffering substitution slaughtered success and savior as i've said i'm going to be brief first of all (coughs) servant Thank God, when it comes to Jesus as a servant, he was a humble servant. A humble servant. For he was God. He didn't need to come into this world, apart from us as sinners. He enjoyed the glory of heaven. He enjoyed the majesty of heaven. And yet, he was willing to become a humble servant and to step down into this world and become a man and to partake of flesh to be able to die as a man that's amazing he was willing to leave heaven and stoop down to earth if you remember the instance in the upper room As far as we can tell from the scripture, there was just Jesus and the 12 disciples there at the upper room. And there was no servant or slave there to wash their feet, which was the normal custom. But the scripture tells us that Jesus took on the role. He who had humbled himself, humbled himself further to wash the dirty feet of the disciples. And they would have been dirty because their pavements and roads And not like ours, and some of ours are bad, but nothing in comparison. They didn't have sewerage like we've got for a start, so they'd empty out of the window. And whatever. And you'd walk through the mess. If you weren't careful, you'd think a dog's mess is bad enough. And so their feet needed to be cleaned and washed, and it was a servant's job. But Jesus humbled himself to the point of washing the feet Of the disciples but he humbled himself even further because he was willing to humble himself to go to the cross the scripture says that the Son of Man didn't come to be served but he came to give his life as a ransom for many he came to serve the conclusion from that is quite simply this morning jesus served to save you and me he served to save you and me i think we can learn a lot from the humility of jesus we really could we need to be humble don't we humble of heart and to learn of him second suffering i'm literally just going to draw from this chapter what it has to say concerning how he suffered the many ways in which he suffered. And from the English Standard Version, these are the words I've written down. He was pierced. He was crushed. He was wounded. He was despised. He was rejected. He was smitten by God. He was afflicted. He was chastised for our sin. He was oppressed. Just think of it. As I read the list again, Jesus suffered in all these different ways because he loved you and because he loved me and he wanted to save us from our sin and from going to an eternity in hell. Pierced, crushed, wounded, despised, rejected, smitten by God, afflicted, chastised for our sin and oppressed. As my saviour. The suffering servant. Substitution. Again drawing from what is listed in this chapter. Remembering all of this was in our place. It says in this chapter that he bore our griefs. In the words of the hymn he took my sins. But not only does it say he bore our griefs. But he said he bore our sorrows. We've already read that he was pierced. But why was he pierced? He was pierced for our transgressions. It's Again, we've already read that he was crushed. Why was he crushed? He was crushed for our iniquity. And then it goes on to say, All. All. Every single sin. All our sin from when Adam sinned to the last person that's going to sin before God ends all of time was laid upon him imagine that laid upon him and then it says he made himself he made himself an offering for our guilt and then he poured out his soul what to? And to death He died in our place. So Jesus was a substitution to save you and me. (laughs) We should have been there. We should have been punished. We should have been pierced. We should have been crushed. We should have been beaten. We should have been smitten. And all the other things I've mentioned. We should have received the wrath of God. And the punishment of God for our sin. But he took our place as our substitute because he wanted to save you and to save me. And then, slaughtered. It says that he was taken like a lamb to be slaughtered. Now, I've taken sheep to be slaughtered. It's all part of living on a farm. But the picture given here, of being taken like a lamb to be slaughtered, slaughtered, it pictures something that the children of Israel already understood because they would have to get the animal or the sheep, the goat or whatever and take them to be slaughtered to make a sacrifice for their sin it also brings up the memory of the lamb that was taken so that the blood could be sprinkled around the doorpost and the lintel on the night when the children of Israel were going to be delivered up from out of Egypt but he was led or taken like a lamb to be slaughtered. I guess that when we think of Jesus going to Calvary, the picture we get very often, perhaps, and it's a right picture, because it's what's in Scripture, is seeing his crown of thorns and the blood pouring down. And it's not a nice picture. And perhaps we can see him struggling as he's going with all, all the beatings and wounds and everything else with a crown, with a a cross on his back and he's struggling and he's struggling as he's making his way and in the the end they get somebody else to carry it for him and that's a right picture to see uh, and to visualise but I want you to think of it as a moment not in that sense but as a lamb being taken to slaughter because that's exactly what was happening as Jesus was making his way to Golgotha Remember the words of John the Baptist, when he saw John, Jesus coming towards him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so in going to the cross, in making his way up the hill to Golgotha, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And Isaiah tells us that he was cut off. That means that he definitely died. They got all these theories they tried to put forward today to try to deny the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all been fulfilled as it is in Isaiah 53. He was cut off. He definitely died. For it also tells us that he was buried in the grave and with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. He was slaughtered. Listen this morning. Jesus was slaughtered to save you. Jesus was slaughtered to save me. He died for you and for me. But then there was success. There are three things recorded in this chapter that look to something happening beyond the grave. Beyond the suffering. In the future, so to speak. One, it says, he shall sin dead men don't see do they dead men can't see but it says concerning the suffering servant who was to die it says that he shall see so that speaks of the fact that the suffering servant would not be left in the grave but would be raised again the second thing it says is this he shall be satisfied remember the words in Hebrews 12 that says who for the joy set before him he endured the cross despising its shame in other words he knew what lay ahead he went through it because he knew that he was going to see the other side he shall be satisfied and then the third thing it says for success is this he will make many to be counted righteous he will impute his righteousness to all who believe isn't that wonderful? a successful mission we can be made righteous because he suffered And died and rose again. See his mission was a success. Proven beyond any doubt. By his resurrection from the dead. The suffering servant. The slaughtered lamb. He's alive today. And we have a preview in the book of Revelation. Of the vast crowd. Who are the redeemed of the Lord. Standing in his presence. So this is the challenge this morning. Will you be there? Will you be there? Will we be there? And Jesus' mission was successful so he can save you and me. Sixth point is the word saviour. Just two lines. Because I've summed it up in all the rest of our descent this morning. The suffering servant becomes the only saviour of the world. The only. The only. And we need to stand firm on that today in this multi-faith, multi-religion society in which we're living in. There is no other way. Jesus is the only way. He's the only saviour. Only he can save you and me. And then to close, a word I didn't list at the beginning is the word surrender. Surrender. Because as I go through Isaiah 53, And as I see what the suffering servant was willing to go through because he loved me, there's only one response I can bring. And that's to surrender my life to him. To give my life over to him. We just need to think of what he's delivered us from and what he's delivered us to. Think about it this morning. Stop at this moment and think of where you were. And think of where you're going to be because of what Jesus has done for you. Surely it deserves our all. The only response is to surrender our all to Him. And if you're here this morning and you've not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then I can just say that why not? Why not? Why not? He's given his all for you he's shown love beyond a measure grace that is free mercy we don't deserve and yet so many hear the news and still fail to accept and reject it so this morning if you've not given your heart to jesus why not look at what jesus has gone through for you and when we consider the great cost that has been paid to set us free. The thing that baffles me is why so many believers want to go back to the things of the world. Why? Why? We've been delivered from it. We've been set free from it. We don't need the things of the world. We need to reject it all, to let go of it all, and to surrender fully. Because in going back to the things of the world, as far as I'm concerned, as an insult. It's an insult to the grace of God and towards all that Christ has suffered to bring us into a place of freedom from it and into redemption. I've discharged my responsibility. I really believe that God wanted me to share this morning what I have shared. I've been burdened with it on my heart. This morning, I'm going to say it again. If you've not yielded your life to Jesus, do it this morning. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Even the youngest of us are not guaranteed tomorrow. Or the youngest of you. I can't put myself in that category. But even the youngest of you are not guaranteed tomorrow. We may think it's all hunky-dory today, but tomorrow our breath could be taken away. Where, where would you spend eternity? This morning is no need for anyone to be lost in their sin because I've shared the gospel and on the day when we have to give an account to him not one this morning will have an excuse because you've heard. You need to learn to respond. When the request of yin sent me a text yesterday to ask if I knew and I did know that song that we just sang 632, and could I get it onto the video? Because it just tied in so much. Let me just read the words again Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. The price you paid for us, how you gave yourself so completely, complete everything. He didn't leave anything out. Precious Lord, precious Lord. Now, Our sins are gone. Amen. Our sins are gone. All forgiven. Covered by your blood. All forgotten. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Oh. I love you Lord. That's my only response this morning. Oh. I love you Lord. I really love you Lord. I will never understand why you love me. You're my deepest joy. You're my heart's delight. And the greatest thing of all oh lord i see you delight in me for our healing there lord you suffered and to take our fear you poured out your love precious lord precious lord calvary's work is done you have conquered able now to save so completely thank you lord thank you lord oh i love you lord felt at the beginning of the service we could have just spent the service praising the Lord just worshipping him, giving him thanks from grateful hearts because of what he's brought us from and where he's taken us to, what a wonderful saviour how marvellous how wonderful and my song will ever be how marvellous, how wonderful is my saviour's love to me